Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Happy Friday to you all. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and of course, on your smart speaker. No, I am not Greeny, but as I've said before when I fill it on this show, I feel right at home. I feel like this seat was made for me. And I can't wait to get into the next two hours with my main man, Chris Canty, a part of the program today. Chris, happy Friday to you, buddy. Happy Friday, JT Money. We made it to the weekend. We made it to the weekend. What's good with you, man? Man, I tell you what, we made it to the weekend. We get an extra day of that weekend with Labor Day on Monday, and then you sprinkle in all the college football, which is essentially the appetizer to the National Football League starting up on Thursday. It's a great time to be a football fan, great time to be a sports fan, and then you sprinkle in all the other news that comes along with college football. It used to just be semantics. Now it's become reality. The realignment conversation has taken another change yet this morning, and we'll get into all of that as we move on, but but Chris, I'm hoping you got to watch some of that college football last night. Well, first of all, and it's interesting that you framed it the way that you did, calling it an appetizer, because I had my beak wet, ready to go to watch some college football. <laughs> I'm watching the 6 o'clock Sports Center. You got Kevin Nagandi out there in Utah. They got Kirk Herbstreet out there giving us the rundown of what's going on with Utah's quarterback situation. I'm raring to go to watch some big-time college football. The SEC rolling into town against the Mountain West. Like, I'm excited to watch it. And then 30 minutes before kickoff, I get a message that says, this is no longer a part of your television package. And I'm sitting there saying to myself, Spectrum, what the hell are you doing? This is the unofficial kickoff of college football season this weekend. What are you doing? It's week one. What are you doing? And so, big fella, I'm sitting there frustrated, looking at all of my options, trying to go to the ESPN app rather than watching ESPN through Spectrum. And because Spectrum controls my Wi-Fi, too, I can't watch it on the app. I'm like, what the hell is going on? None of my devices are giving me anything when it comes to the game that I really wanted to watch last night. I almost had a Denzel Washington training day moment. Y'all think y'all can do this to me? I'm the man up in this piece. King Kong ain't got nothing on me when I can't watch college football. When I can't watch the games that I'm ready to watch, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be some furniture moving. And right now, I'm just trying to figure out where the hell I can go to get another internet cable provider in the next week or so so I don't have to deal with this problem with Spectrum going back and forth with ESPN. Spectrum, here's a notice for you. Here's a little piece of advice. You can't win every deal. Sometimes you just got to avoid trying to take the L. Sometimes you do have to take the L. Right now, Spectrum needs to take the L on this one. The cost of live TV rights, live sports rights is going up, up, and up. We see what these conferences are making. So you got to pay the cost in order to have the product that your consumers want to watch. People talking about cord cutting, this is just another reason for me to potentially cord cut and go with somebody else. It's ridiculous. You couldn't do this in the middle of the summer. You had to wait until college football season gets ready to kick off to pull this kind of stunt. It gets on my damn nerves, JT Money. On my nerves. Hey, Chris, Chris, you should appreciate this, though, as a football player, man. They just pulled, like, the Jonathan Taylor move right here, man. They just waited until you needed them the most, and then they said, wait a second, not so fast. You're not going to be able to watch this until you go to this fan board and start complaining about what's going on, and eventually enough complaining will maybe move the needle. I don't know that it does. I've seen Fox do this. I've seen other local affiliates in our area do it with DirecTV, and they never do it 
on like the 7th of July when there's no sporting events going on. They seem to find a way to make it happen right when college football or right when the NFL or right when the playoffs are starting. So, yes, I've been in that boat before, and it's not a fun boat to be in. But you did find some college football, and a part of that was a win for Utah last night, which you weren't able to watch. But you got to get to the Big Ten where it looked like Nebraska wasn't going to Nebraska anymore. Remember, it was Clemson for the longest time, old Clemsoning, and then they erased that with the, the run that they've been on with Dabo. Then it's been Nebraska. That's Nebraska all over themselves over the last handful of years. <laughs> Two and 14 in one score games over the last 16 contests. And last night, it didn't get any better. Nebraska was up, had the ball, fumbled it away. Minnesota with an amazing catch, maybe the, the catch of the season already uh, in the end zone to, to tie the game. And then they eventually get the ball back on a pick. And they kicked the field goal to win the game. It was the drama that you love from football on opening night, and it was a blast last night. Yeah, it was a little bit of toe drag swag with that uh, game tying touchdown. Yeah, like it was unbelievable how they were able to pull that off. But I mean, he, to your point, when I figured out on ESPN's app that we had Minnesota and Nebraska on another channel, oh yeah, I had to get involved because that's PJ Fleck and that's Matt Rule in his debut. And for all of the things that we've known Matt Rule to do, turning around programs, whether it be Temple, whether we be Baylor, we wanted to see if he could exercise those demons in Nebraska because that program, which was once proud, has largely been irrelevant in the landscape of college football when we start talking about true playoff contenders. And so last night it felt like that was the opportunity for them to make a statement about what the program would be moving forward. But then the four turnovers ended up being their undoing. So for all of the good things that anybody could do in a football game, when you turn the ball over the way that uh, Nebraska did, the four turnovers, but the ones that really hurt them were the two within the five minutes, the fumble in plus territory, the pick in plus territory when you're in your four-minute offense. Those types of things can't happen, and that's why Nebraska lost its 26-1-score game in the last five years last night. Yeah, it was something that Nebraska fans are going to certainly be stewing about all week. And then yep. they get to go out to uh, Colorado and take on Deion Sanders. Yeah, good luck, have to start two good luck road with that. Games. <laughs> good luck with two, that, JT. <laughs> two road games. Yeah, man. First time a Nebraska head coach had to start on the road with their debut since the 1940s. He has to go back-to-back road contest. Minnesota the loss. They'll get Colorado. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. I'm Jeff Turn. That's Chris Canty. And then we get, you know, normally a day after it's all reaction to the games that we saw. But again, as I mentioned, college football saying not so fast. The ACC presidents and chancellors met early this morning and voted to add not only Cal, not only Stanford, but when you think of the ACC, you think of now SMU. All of those teams going to the ACC, according to sources, speaking with ESPN. It'll bring the league to 18 members, 17 of which We'll play football full-time in the league. Of course, we all know about uh, Notre Dame and all of that. The addition will be all sports and begin in 2024-2025. We have more expansion, Chris. Does this save the ACC, though? That's a big question that people are answering. We already knew that the Pac-12 was obsolete. Now the ACC is getting into this business of having 18 schools. Does this save the construction of that conference? Uh, the answer to that would be for now. Like, that's the best I can give you. And think about this. When they held the vote tonight, uh, the vote this morning, you're talking about three teams dissenting, that being Carolina, um, UNC, 
uh, and Florida State and Clemson. And those teams were rumored to be interested in joining the SEC at some point down the road. So I think that's going to be put on pause. But uh, if you consider the economics of the situation, SMU, Cal, and Stanford are coming over at a significant discount. You're talking about SMU not being able to share in any media, any broadcast media rights revenue for nine years. Think about it. nine years. You got to go a decade in your current conference without getting any broadcast media revenue. In Stanford and Cal, they're only getting 30% of their share of the payout when it comes to broadcast revenue that the conference generates. So, like, they're coming over at a significant discount. Those teams are showing you how desperate they were to align themselves in one of the surviving conferences. And right now, it's starting to feel like Game of Thrones or Hunger Games when it comes to the college football landscape. When you see the Pac-12 evaporate overnight, those teams are scrambling to try to figure out where's our landing spot, how can we put ourselves in a situation where we can then, again, at some point in the future, get tens of millions of dollars in broadcast media revenue. And so I think for the ACC as a whole, this is a good step. You're talking about 18 schools and 17 of them being full-time football participants. The only one that's not is Notre Dame, but they play a healthy slate of ACC games. So I think it's it's in the best interest of the conference. If I'm ranking the conferences, uh, the, power, the power conferences now in college football, it's clearly the SEC, the Big Ten, and then the ACC checking in that third with this move. And I think that makes it the win for the Atlantic Coast Conference. Chris, I'm really glad that you explained the analogy there with Hunger Games and Game of Thrones because I may be one of the few people out there that has not seen either of those. Uh, I don't even know what to say to you at this point. How are you a radio host and you've never seen either of them? How does that work? I mean, like listen, part, man, part, I'm too busy part. watching things like I'm too busy watching things like How I Met Your Mother and Pretty Little Liars. Okay, like I'm a little busy with shows those like aren't that. Your, those that aren't I your picks. I can promise you, those aren't. Your picks. <laughs> <laughs> those aren't your picks. <laughs> they are, man. Oh they God. were originally my wife's, but they became my picks, Chris. Okay, go. that's how that worked, man. Well, I know how that movie that's goes. So I we'll know see. how that movie goes too, brother. <laughs> We'll see if there's going to be more that ultimately align with the ACC. But because of these changes and the, you know, the, 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 the obsolete Pac-12, we have a college football playoff landscape that I know Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, I understand that he's already been out there talking about potential changes within the last week. This was before the news about these three teams jumping ship to the ACC. We have a system now where we were supposed to take the power five winners plus one group of five, whoever had the best record, and put them into a 12-team playoff and then take six at-larges. Now, without that fifth power five, you're only going to have four. Are you going to end up taking two group of five winners as mandatory participants in the college football playoff, or are you going to just go, all right, we'll take the four plus the one, then we'll have seven at-large bids? And not that they're going to expand to 16 or 24 teams. We're not talking about format change like that. We're talking about how they ultimately decide who's participating in the new format of 12 teams. Chris, what would you do if you were sitting there making that decision? Would you go with four power fours and then the the group of five, or would you extend it out to two group of fives that get the mandatory admission into the college football playoff? Or how would you structure these 12 teams? Oh, I'd go five plus seven. Because what are the odds that you're going to get two group of five conference winners that can compete with the big boys? So I, I don't know that we – I agree. Like winning your conference matters. 
and you want to reward that. But if you're that good as a group of five team and you don't get an automatic qualifier, the assumption would be that you would be one of those seven at-large bids. So I, I don't think you need to, you know, try to create that amount of equity when it comes to slots, automatic qualifiers for the college football playoff because ultimately this is about getting the most talented teams, the teams that have been able to put together the best seasons into the playoffs to duke it out to see who the real national champion is. So I, I, I'm more of the 5-7 format rather than the 6-6. Six and six. I'm with you too. I, I was actually always a big proponent of the of the BCS. I think they only got it wrong like once or twice. And I liked it because number one, computers are making decisions and I trust them way more than I trust humans. And secondly, it, it got us the two best teams uh, to play for the college football championship. And we weren't letting the others at the table. And I think college football is such a unique specimen compared to other sports because the regular season means so much. And so the regular season in the group of five is much different than trying to navigate the regular season through the ACC, the SEC, the Big Ten, or the Big 12. So I would go with the four plus the one group of five and then the seven at large. Heck, if there's one team that's undefeated in the group of five that wins their championship and then there's another as well, then you're talking about probably getting a second at large bid anyways. But if there's a one-loss team that's a group of five champion, they're probably going to be excluded and rightfully so just because the regular season landscape was different. So I'm with you on that. I think we should go five plus seven and it, it keeps some of that integrity that's truly lost based on allowing 12 teams to compete for a national championship. It's different than it used to be, but certainly makes a lot of sense with the way that the landscape is going. Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up next, one-star quarterback is firing back at people, including the man I'm doing radio with today, one Chris Canty, who is questioning his team's championship window. Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stats types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to prizepicks.com slash greenberg and use code greenberg for a first deposit match up to 100 that's prizepicks.com slash greenberg code greenberg for a first deposit match up to 100 prize picks pick more pick less it's that easy passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply 10 seconds on the clock how many things can you name that are always growing your relationships your skills your customer base 
How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Greeny, the podcast. Chris Canty, you know what that music means. Oh, that's Time that to talk about that music, them. JT. That's that football it's music. That. Let's go. Less than a week it's away. That. Let's go. It's that National Football League music. And we got the NFL right around the corner as we count down to Thursday when the Detroit Lions, I know that almost sounds dirty to say, is facing off against Kansas City to start the season, right? It feels like, wait a second, Detroit? Yeah, Detroit and Kansas City to start the season on Thursday. We'll bring in the almost famous Cam back there in the studio to uh, get us rolling with a little slump or jump, plus Josh Allen's title window, all of that. Let's go. All right, let's kick it off in Dallas on defense. Micah Parsons, two years running as the second-place finisher for Defensive Player of the Year, 65 tackles, 13.5 sacks, three forced fumbles and recoveries, a touchdown, 26 QB hits, 13 tackles for loss. Chris Canty, will Micah Parsons slump or jump in 2023? I'm going to say he's going to jump, and it's hard to imagine that he's going to get much better than he already is. But this is a guy that has a hell of a lot of production, and it's only going in the right direction when you talk about his pass rush win rate. One of the best, if not the best, off the edge last year, the last couple of years. He's added some weight this offseason to try to bulk up a little bit. But think about this, Cam. This dude wins 30% of his pass rushes. 30%. That's a lot. 30% of his pass rushes led the NFL last year in pass rush win rate off the edge. Michael Parsons is an absolute monster. He's a game record. He's the closest thing we've seen in the National Football League to Lawrence Taylor since Lawrence Taylor. So I just... Yeah, Michael Parsons, he's going to win a Defensive Player of the Year, and I'd be surprised if we don't find one time, one year soon, where this guy is not in the MVP conversation. He's that good. In honor of everyone going back to school and taking me back to my childhood, I never really followed directions, and so I'm going to do the same thing here. He's not going to slump or jump. He's going to slide. He's going to slide into the same role that he's had over the last couple of years. I don't think the numbers jump up you know, exponentially, and I don't think that they fall off. He's established himself as one of the top players in this league either offense or defense you can put him in that conversation and I think those numbers continue to be very consistent I like TJ Watt maybe to win defensive player of the year this year but that's not saying any slight against Micah Parsons Micah Parsons is going to lead that defense and as far as the Cowboys go it'll be determinant on how much he can lead that defense as he has in the last couple of years I love that dude man all right, we're at the first one, and you already are breaking the rules. Didn't slide. Even, didn't, even, didn't even wait till like four or five. All right, let's get it going again. <laughs> Saquon Barkley, Jeff, we're going to start with you this time. Got the new one-year contract, 1650 scrimmage yards last year, 10 touchdowns, 4.7 yards per touch. Underreported, I think. Saquon Barkley, only one fumble last year and only four fumbles in his career. Pretty impressive. Jeff, will Saquon Barkley slump or jump in 2023? I'm going to say slump, and I don't think it's because of for a lack of skill set or he's declining. I think it's just the usage that they're going to have for him. I, I I think that they feel better about their wide receiver core than they have in the past. I mean, it's 
you know, still not one of the tops in the league, but it's better. And utilizing that along with the fact that you don't want to get Saquon Barkley hurt, and we know there's been durability issues in the past. I don't think they put the ball in his hands as much, so the numbers may not look the same. Now the impact may be the same, and that's a different conversation. But as far as just looking at his stats and saying, is he going to get 1650? Is he going to get more than 10 touchdowns? I think it'll be a little bit less than that. So for argument's sake, I'll say he slumps a little bit in 2023. Yeah, I'm going to say he slumps too. Last time he had over 350 touches was his rookie year. The following season, he had 600 yards less from scrimmage. So I'm going to say he slumps a little bit. We also know he's a player that's had durability issues. I I, I don't know that he's going to be healthy and play in all 17 games. Remember, he had the shoulder injury last year which really hampered his production in the second half. I think he only had one 100-yard rushing game in the second half of the Giants season last year. So I'm going to say slump. All right, let's go out to San Francisco. A lot of QB drama there. But Brock Pur- Purdy is the starter. Small sample size last year coming off the UCL injury in the championship game. 5-0 and last year. 1,374 passing yards, 13 touchdowns, only four picks, 67% completion. Canty, slumper jump for Purdy in 2023. Uh, I'm going to say jump. I'm going to bet that Kyle Shanahan knows what he's doing with the quarterback room out there, and there's a reason why they shipped Trey Lance off. But there's also a reason why San Francisco went on a hellacious run starting in week eight where you're talking about this team didn't lose a game until the conference championship game, which is absolutely incredible. You're talking about them rattling off, what was that, nine straight wins? Nine straight wins last year? So I would say this, I I think – the San Francisco 49ers forged an identity not around their quarterback but around their running game. You notice when they went on that win streak, it was more about Christian McCaffrey than anybody else. As long as the offensive line does its job, I think Brock Purdy will have opportunities to impact the game in the passing game just because defenses will gear it up to stop Christian McCaffrey. So I'm going to say jump. All right, I'll say jump as well. I, I think you have McCaffrey and Debo and Kittles and that offensive line – it's pretty darn good. Now, coming off the UCL, you got to make sure that that dude doesn't take some licks early. Otherwise, you're going to be seeing Sam Darnold throwing the football around with Trey Lance departing to Dallas. But a full season. I will say this, though. I think the one thing that could be maybe a bit of a conundrum for Brock Purdy in year number two is the fact that these defenses, these defenses that will be facing him have had a year to look at the film. And we always know about sophomore slumps. And there was no time to really catch up to the film with Brock Purdy because he was inserted in and then it was just the rest of the year, so you had this small sample size, and there wasn't a lot you could take from his Iowa State days and make it applicable probably to the National Football League. But listen, man, when you got all those weapons and you don't turn the football over as Brock Purdy showed he could do last year, I think the opportunity to have bigger numbers is certainly there for Purdy and the 49ers. All right, we're getting funky here. I'm throwing a coach at you guys. Ooh, funky end of music change. All right, Jeff, I'll start with you. Bill Belichick. The coach of the Patriots, 8-9 and nine record last year. I can't believe they even got eight wins with what was going on in uh, that offense last year. But Bill Belichick, Canty, has been very vocal. Second uh, bold prediction yesterday was that this is Bill Belichick's last year coaching the Pats. Do you think the Patriots and Bill Belichick will slump or jump this year? Uh, they're going to slump, and they will make the decision to get rid of Belichick because this team will be drafting in the top five or six of the NFL draft. Like, they are going to be really bad. Um, I think this is like the year where, you know, you know, Max always used to say Brady was going to fall off the cliff, and he never did. Uh, well, listen, 
the Patriots are about to fall off the cliff, and all you're going to see is combustion at the bottom of the cliff. It's going to be ugly. They, Bill O'Brien can't fix that. Okay, They don't have enough skill players to fix that. Mac Jones isn't that dude, and Belichick can't play the game. So for all those reasons, I have the Patriots as like a six-win team in 2023, bottom of the AFC East and one of the top five or six picks in the 2024 NFL draft. Definitely slump. Yeah, JT, I'm with you slump big time on this one. The over-under win total for the Patriots is seven and a half. Under. Bruh, bruh, looking at their schedule, I can't find seven wins. I I can't can't find find six. I can't find six. (laughs) Think about it, bruh, out the gates, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Miami Dolphins, at the New York Jets, at the Dallas Cowboys, the New Orleans Saints, which is going to be a tough out. I'm picking them to win their division in the NFC South. Where, where are the wins, bro? Where, where are the wins? I don't see the wins. Like, where are the wins coming from? I don't know. I think their defense will be better than what they showed last year. Um, the offense, we'll have to wait and see. I think Bill O'Brien is a competent offensive coordinator as opposed to Matt Patricia, so they should be better. But that being said, I just I, I just can't find the wins. I, I just don't see it for as great as Bill Belichick is, and I know he's good for pulling out a rabbit out of his hat a couple of times a season. I just can't find the way that this team gets to six or seven wins. I just don't see it. So I'm going to say slump big time, and this is Belichick's last year coach. All right, last one, Josh Allen. We teased it, and we're going to hear from Josh Allen right now before I ask you guys the question. Here's Josh Allen addressing people, including Chris Canty and Chris Carlin, who are saying that their title window is closing. This is on Sirius XM. Well, one thing I do know, it's, it's hard to win in this league. It's hard to win consistently in this league. But the type of men that we have in this facility, in this locker room, you know, it's a special group. So, you know, I don't really hear all that outside noise. I know the type of guys that we have, the energy and the juice that we can bring, and how special this team can be. So, it takes every single, you know, Sunday, Monday, Thursday, it takes every single game day of going out there and putting your best foot forward, but taking it one game at a time. You know, nothing that we did last year carries over to this year, but, you know, you play the game for a reason, and at any given Sunday, any team can win, but we're, we're just looking to put our best foot forward and, and take it one game at a time. All right, Josh Allen, 4,283 passing yards last year, 35 touchdowns, 14 picks, 19 turnovers, well-documented, 63% completion, obviously, Seven over 700 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. Canty, will Josh Allen slump or jump in 2023? And how open is the Bills title window? Well, Cam, I got to correct you. If you include the playoff games, Josh Allen had 23 turnovers. My in 18, mistake. 23 turnovers in 18 games, seven of them in the red zone. My mistake, yeah. yeah um, I'm going to say slump. I'm going to say slump. And he's right. It's hard to consistently win in this league. And the Buffalo Bills have been consistently winning over the last four or five years under Sean McDermott. At some point, the rest of the division is going to catch up with you. All you got to do is ask the New England Patriots in the post-Tom Brady era things. I mean, think about this. You're talking about this team having four consecutive double-digit win seasons and winning their division three straight years. I think that changes this year. Leslie Frazier, their defensive coordinator, is gone. Tremaine Edmonds, who was a signal caller in the middle of defense, is gone. Von Miller will be gone for the first four games of the season. Uh, I, I just I, I just don't trust this team in terms of being able to navigate all of the moving parts. And lest we not forget, there are still some issues when it comes to the play calling. Brian Daybowl left. You saw the impact that had on Josh last year. And then the ripples or the friction that we've seen between Steph Diggs and Josh Allen. So, no, I don't see this team as winning 
the AFC East or even the team that should be favored in the AFC East, I think they're going to regress back a little bit, take a big slump. Hey, I got to ask Chris Candy why he's got a hate on the little brother there in New York, man. I mean, these guys, nothing but wins for Buffalo the last handful of years. They get to the postseason consistently. Josh Allen has huge numbers. Yeah, there's a couple of extra turnovers that you could eliminate. But what if they lost? Like, I, I, I think, you know, a championship window starts to close when guys start to take paychecks other places when you can't retain your talent, when you don't draft well. I think Buffalo does all of that. I think you pointed out probably their biggest flaw, which is the turnovers from Josh Allen in the red zone specifically. You know, that's what's a killer. That's what's kept points off the board. Um, I would say, for me, it's going to be jump. I, I think Buffalo is motivated. They've heard all of those Chris Canty and Chris Carlin rants about how they're going to find themselves having that window close and, I know they always say they don't listen, but it sure sounded like Josh had heard some of those things from those folks that are critics of Buffalo at this point. I I look at that division, and I think it's Buffalo and Miami neck and neck, and then I think it's the others. Um, And and I'm not saying that the Jets are in the same category as the Patriots, but I do believe that on paper and from the experience factor of what Miami and Buffalo has done the last handful of years, that they're if If it's not the turnovers, and and the red zone turnovers for Josh Allen. Say he fixes that. Um, would you feel completely different, or are, are you making that assumption that he won't fix that and that's going to be the biggest problem once again? Well, I think the, the issue with him fixing it has to do in, in part with the departure of Brian Dable a year ago. Now, remember, when Brian Dable was there, turnovers weren't an issue in Josh's uh, 2021 season. It, it really propped up in, in a big way last year. And what did Brian Dable do when he got to the New York Giants? He fixed Daniel Jones' turnover issues. And so I think a part of fixing the quarterback's turnover issues is the sequencing, is the play calling, keeping him out of situations where he could be turnover prone in critical situations in the game, uh, especially the red zone. So I I just – I I don't – you talked about the departure of talent in Buffalo where they didn't have that. Yeah, they kind of have when you look at the coaching talent. And I think that makes a difference when it comes to the, 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 the top end of what we think this Buffalo Bills team can be. I just don't see them realizing that this upcoming season. Now, that being said, I don't think their championship window is closed. I just don't think they're going to get there this year. I think there's going to be a little bit of regression because of their go- them going through an adjustment period. Because the window doesn't actually close as long as you have Josh Allen as exactly, your right? Like, exactly. I think he's that good. Yeah, because he's so young, he's so talented. He has that Brett Favre in him, man. Like you got to shake that out of him, I think, because he wants to do so much, and and that's probably what kept Favre in the past from from winning multiple championships, and it, it hopefully won't keep Josh Allen from doing the same thing as well. But we'll see what happens sooner rather than later with the NFL season starting on. Thursday. Coming up, one team is making a lot of enemies before the NFL season even starts. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. 
based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Greeny, the podcast. Got a little paper boy on a Friday. <laughs> this is old school, but I love every second of it. I'm Jeff Turn. This is ESPN Radio filling in for Greeny alongside Chris Canty, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speaker, all places you can hang out with us. Listen, I've been making enemies of Jets fans because I've been picking against them to make the playoffs with the addition of Aaron Rodgers and all that came with it. However, the Jets, I think, are doing a good job because they got Rodgers, because they're on hard knocks, and because... For the most part, the media is falling in love with their story. They're making some enemies across the National Football League. Now, Chris, I do wonder if you're one of those people that is getting a little annoyed with all the Jets love that's been happening so far across the National Football League. Yeah, I mean, I'm annoyed because I'm a giant at heart. I won a Super Bowl with him, <laughs> and, and we've always looked at the Jets as little brother, but we can't do that this year because they have – maybe the best quarterback that's ever played in the Tri-State. Think about that. Aaron Rodgers, with his resume, four MVPs in a Super Bowl, like he might be the greatest quarterback to have played in the Tri-State area. He just might be. Like that's how good this dude is. And you're adding him to a defense that is one of the best, if not the best, in the National Football League. When it comes to defensive EPA, all of the advanced metrics, the Jets were right up there at the top of the list. So – it's hard to foresee this team falling flat just because of the presence, the know-how that Rodgers is adding to a young core of really talented players. When you look ahead to to what the season's going to look like, I think Aaron Rodgers' impact on all of that is going to be huge. Um, in an off-camera interview with ESPN's Rich Samini, here's what Rodgers had to say. We've had a lot of attention before we did hard knocks. Then we did hard knocks. So there's some jealousy for sure. There's a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon or jumping on the other side. Obviously, there's a lot of expectations and a legitimate chance to reach the Super Bowl. A lot of people are going to be pulling for us to fall flat. The, the Crows, as Salah referred to them, a lot of people are in our corner too, which is a good thing. Again, Aaron Rodgers, off-camera interview with ESPN's Rich Samini. I, I think it's just going to grow and grow and grow as the season goes, though, if they're doing well. And I think it will grow and grow and grow the animosity if they're doing bad. I don't think they can win in the court of public opinion based on Rodgers and, and you know the, the polarizing nature of that individual, even though he feels like a much more lighthearted, um, a guy that you could, could find yourself maybe you know attaching to at this point of his career versus maybe a couple of years ago. But I just don't think that they're going to be able to jump over Miami and jump over Buffalo in that division. And it's hard for me to believe that there's going to be three teams from the AFC East that are going to make the playoffs. But it's going to be fascinating to see what that true impact is of Rodgers because a year ago they were in so many games, as you know, Chris, and they just didn't have the quarterback play. No, no doubt. I mean, you're talking about six of their ten losses being in one-score games. And if the Jets' offense would score league average, which was 21 points last year in all of their games – the Jets would have been 11-6 and six rather than 7-10. and 10. 
So, I mean, uh, like Aaron Rodgers is supposed to cure a lot of those ills. And when you look at the relationship that he's established with Garrett Wilson in short order, it's hard to imagine that that duo won't do a lot of damage in terms of productivity. But the mistake that a lot of people are making is that they believe Aaron Rodgers has to play at an MVP level. And I just don't. I think Aaron Rodgers, as long as he provides competent quarterback play, will allow this team to not only compete for the division title, but also have a chance to go on a deep playoff run. And I think that's why Rodgers hasn't been shy about saying that this team has a legitimate chance. Even going back to when he first came to the Jets for offseason workouts, he says that Lombardi trophy looks a little bit lonely. Of course, referencing Joe Namath's trophy from Super Bowl III. So I I just – I, I think this team has an actual chance. They have all of the elements. The only question that I had is whether or not they would be able to adjust to the learning curve that comes along with winning at a championship level. It's different when you start talking about competing in December and January football, but Aaron Rodgers has an opportunity to impart his experience on those dudes. So for Quinnen Williams of the world and Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner's guys that have no idea what playoff football is like, Aaron Rodgers can get them up to speed in terms of what kind of preparation is necessary in order to compete and win in those moments. Yeah, I almost feel like, to be honest with you, Chris, that I'm going to get zapped by some sort of electric current talking <laughs> blasphemy about the Jets filling in for Greeny. We may have to tur- turn the show from Greeny to Turney just so that I can get through without getting electrocuted. But I, I-, I think you look ahead to the schedule uh, week five against the Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett, Sean Payton. That's the beef bowl, we'll call it. Uh, then you got the Giants, hard knock scuffle between Rodgers and uh, Jihad Ward, Jod which is going to be fun yep. to watch. Yeah, plus it's just New York versus New York coming up in week eight, and plus many, many more fun matchups throughout that as well. Uh, target on their back for sure. Jets maybe getting a little too cocky, maybe. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the hunted become – the, the team that usually gets the most attention one way or another, and the Jets certainly are that at this point. Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance, insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. For all of the chirping that they do, they better win week one. With no Von oh, Miller man. on the field, they better win week one. September 11th in MetLife Stadium, they better win that damn game. Absolutely, man. All eyes will be on NYC. A Hall of Fame player tells us if a Hall of Fame coach can fix a Hall of Fame quarterback. That's next on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN. And also available wherever you get your podcasts.